Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. What a great thing it is to be in the house of the Lord tonight in the presence of God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to get right into the word of the Lord tonight. And uh, this is an important month. We're going to be teaching on holiness and separation. We're not going to be teaching about what holiness uh, does on the inside. We're going to be talking about why holiness must be seen on the outside. So we know it's on the inside, but we're going to talk about why it is important to live holiness on the outside. If we do all the ungodly things of the world, then we are the world. But if we're separated from sin, then we are the called out. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And the Lord's going to help us and we're going to have a good time. How many knows that we need to be strengthened in the word of the Lord and the Lord's going to help us and uh, he's going to bless us. If you have your Bibles, we're um, we're reading from the book of Ezra and I'm going to let you turn. Appreciate uh, the good service today and the blessings of the Lord that are here. Ezra chapter 10 is our is our text tonight. We're going to read just a couple of verses in Ezra chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. And I want to preach tonight about the importance of revival. Everyone say revival. The importance of seeking after and longing for revival. Ezra verse 1, chapter 10, verse 1. Now, when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God. Can you say praise the Lord? So there's three things right there. Confessed, weeping and casting himself down. All, all important aspects of the revival in Ezra's day that were associated with the house of God. And how many are thankful for the house of God tonight? Praise God. How many are thankful for a heritage, a minister to you all those years and stood for righteousness? They confessed, weeping, and casting himself down. This is Ezra himself. All of which would have been impossible without humility. There can be no holiness and there can be no revival if there is no humility. Because you're not going to confess. You're not going to stand weeping and casting yourself down before the house of God. You'll you'll compose yourself instead of getting in a revival posture that says we need to see souls saved. That's our. That's what we must have is souls being saved. Something like, and I do not mean to distract here, and I know that, just give me another moment, we'll be seated. But the like when a, a mother is with child, that is not something that you can just schedule in and say, okay, I'll do that at 10, I'll do that at 10, then I'll go about my... No, no, no. When you're, have, when you're birthing children, then that has its own schedule. And that's what revival is, bringing ourselves before God. There assembled unto him out of Israel, let's read a little bit more, a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. Praise God. The people wept how? Very sore. Now, that's a fairly old way to say it. It's the Hebrew word for something like, uh, well, we, we think of it in English. How many knows what I mean when I say they wept bitterly? How many knows what I mean by that? They wept with great amount of emotion. We might say it that way. They wept bitterly. They were, they were in the presence of God. Hallelujah. And they wept bitterly before him. So this is a genuine humility. And, and Shechaniah, the son of Jahiel, 
one of the sons of Elam. How many see that? Is that Bible? Am I reading the Bible? Shechaniah. So I know this Old Testament and we, we could ignore it, but I don't think we should be ignoring it. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said. So here we have an entire history. And I believe that, that the reason Ezra gives us the heritage of these names is to show that God intends to include our entire family in the revival that he is producing among us. There assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men. See, I over, I just skipped right over it. And women and children. They didn't say, well, I can't bring my children because they've got school on Monday. They didn't say, I, I can't worry my teenager because it's going to make her too, uh, she'd just get too involved. Let me tell you, folks, you need to make the church the center of your life. And when you do, something happens. And Shechaniah, I'm not saying name your children Shechaniah. I mean, you can if you want to, but uh, Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one, and it's, I love the way the King James tries to retain the Hebrew so that you can pronounce it from the King James Bible somewhat similarly to the Hebrew pronunciation. Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra. I know this seems like the longest reading in the world, but I'm almost there. We have transgressed, trespassed, I'm sorry. We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this. So by the time we get to Ezra chapter 10, the people of Israel have realized that being worldly and marrying into worldliness destroyed their revival and their hope and that it was time to turn back to God. I'd like us to pray tonight. I'm preaching tonight. There is hope for revival. I'd like you to lay your Bibles down and let's pray together that God will anoint his word and bless the preaching tonight. Father, thank you for everyone that's here under the sound of my voice. I believe there's hope tonight. I believe that you are in this place right now to minister to us. Lord, we're not going to leave our children out. We're not going to leave uh, anybody out. Lord, we want our sons and our daughters. We want our neighbors and we want an entire city to feel the effects of the power of God. We're not interested in compromising. We are interested in revival, oh God. And that's our prayer tonight. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Can we just clap our hands before we're seated and thank the Lord for his word tonight? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. There is hope for revival. You may be seated. Thank you. That was, uh, um, I, I didn't intend for that to take me so long to read two verses. But sometimes I read very slow and so forgive me for that. There is hope for revival. The devil wants us to believe that the days of revival are over and that the ability of God to reach into someone's life. Well, I want to tell you where the Lord gave me this, this sermon. It was in the altar here at Apostolic Tabernacle. I won't tell you exactly when. I will not divulge who it was. But in the altar, someone reached out to me in this very place. The presence of God was moving and and uh, I hadn't preached what I thought was the greatest uh, sermon that I ever preached, but I preach with all my heart, and I got And I get frustrated when I get uh, uh, when I have to when I have what I call a two hanky sermon, and I have to you know uh, get one so drenched I got to get another. I'm so frustrated at myself, and I go home and I tell the Lord, Lord, why did you make me with so many uh, perspiration, uh, 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 whatever? I wish I didn't have him. The Lord's like, well, do you want to die? 
Is that what you would rather die than, than perspire? But, uh, you know, the Lord and I were just talking, and I, and I was in the altar that morning. It was a especially interesting service, and someone reached over to me. I did not know who they were. They were brand new, and they said to me, can you please tell me how can I get the Holy Ghost? That's what they said to me, and I thought to myself, we are in an atmosphere of revival. The moment that the sinner begins to cry out and say, I know I'm a sinner, but can you tell me, is there any hope for revival? Can I have the Holy Ghost? Is it possible? In fact, we had a bunch of folks in the altar this morning that were here. One young man, I, I, I've got to be careful, but there were people here today that were reaching out. One guy reached over and said, I, I want to tell you something, Pastor. Let me whisper something in your ear. And he was talking to me about how God was dealing with him. Church, I want to tell you something. The devil's a liar. Revival is ours for the having if we desire it. There is hope for revival. Now, Webster's meaning gives the meaning of hope uh, as this, the belief that what one desires or needs or longs for, I'm doing, uh, what's that translation, the amplified? Do you ever use the amplified? Do you like it? Okay. Uh, So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing the amplified. Now this is the King James. I mean, no, it's not. I'm reading the King James, but I'm reading Webster's. How many know that I'm reading Webster's Dictionary? I'm not reading the King James. But uh, I'm doing what the, the Amplified folks did. And that is I'm adding into when I, for example, the belief that what one desires or needs or longs for. See, I've, I've added Webster didn't say that. But then I've gone ahead and done the amplified thing. And I said, so when it says desires, that means I desire something that I need or that I long for. So here's the, in, here's the whole uh, definition. The belief that what one desires is attainable. That's the Webster's. Now, someone said, well, Brother French, I don't know if that satisfies my, uh, my understanding of biblical hope. And, of course, Webster wasn't trying to give us the total biblical understanding of hope. But I think that's a good starting place for understanding the idea of hope. The belief that what one desires is possible or attainable. There are people right now that are even under the sound of my voice that you are wondering in your mind, is this really attainable? Is what God wants of me. Can I? Some people think they could never, they're never going to be good enough to, to please the Lord. They're never going to be, uh, they're, they're always making mistakes. You'd be surprised how many people say to me, Pastor, I just don't feel like I'm ever going to measure up to what, I'm always failing. And they think, and what they think they're saying is, I don't, I don't understand it. I ought to be, what they mean to say to me is, because you know, I have the gift of interpretation. And what they mean to be saying is, I don't know if I'm ever going to be what I know I ought to be. I'm never going to get over that or get victory over this or, or whatever. And so I become a discouraged or I feel that I don't have the hope that I need to, to, to move forward. I want to tell you tonight that no matter what you've been or where you've been, that God is greater than any force you've ever faced. God is greater than anything that you have ever experienced. And he's going to keep you. You can put your hope in him. He is able to keep us. He is able to to keep what we have placed into his hands. Praise God. I wasn't going to do it, but I feel, I told the Lord if he'd let me, I want to relate a story that... uh, and everybody say, praise the Lord. I, I think I'm going to. If I get a check, I won't. But uh, I don't mean a check. You don't have to send checks up. I mean, if I get a check in the spirit, I won't say it. Uh, the other day, uh, sister, I'm going to say this. This is not my story, but I want to preface it with this. Um, one of the saints, I'll say it that way in, I don't want to embarrass anyone, came to me and told me 
all excited about a dream that they had. Did I tell you about this? And, uh, well, uh, I'm going to tell you who it was. It was Sister Pillow. And she said, Brother French, she'd been pretty, pretty sick, actually. And then she came in and she said, oh, Brother French, oh, Brother French, I could tell she just couldn't wait to tell me something. And I, I'm, I know I'm embarrassing her. I, I don't typically mean to do that. But she said, I, I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw uh, or there were, I'm, I'm going to mess her dream up. You, you please write it down and don't let me ruin it. But I'm, I'm going to tell my version of it, which is a horrific version. But, but this is the way I'm going to tell it. That there in her dream, there were five angels that came and and ministered to her. And, and, and then the part, another part, I always like the part of the dream that I'm in. And so I want to get that in here real quick. And so I was supposed to be coming in uh, some way and she was expecting me to come. And, and in her dream, she uh, understood that, uh, this is, I think, her words, that Pastor French was coming. He was going to be there. He was coming, supposed to be. But he was detained. She, I believe that was her word. Detained. She's so used to me being detained that she's that it's it. she's even dreaming about it. But uh, so I was detained and these angels and she said to me, uh, Brother French. Now you say, Brother French, you got to be careful bringing something like that up. Yes, I know. I know. But uh, I just feel a little reckless tonight. OK. And so she said to me, Brother French, do you, what do you think about that? I want to tell you something. The minute she said it. Something came all over me, and I didn't want to just say, Whoa, how, wow! You know, I could have done that, but that I didn't want to just do that. I wanted to save it and do it up here in front of everybody. And so, uh, but the Holy Ghost had been talking to me about this being our fifth year, which we started 30 days ago. And I had wrestled. I told the Lord, Lord, I need a, I need a sermon. I need you to talk to me. This is our fifth year. What are you doing? What are you trying to say? And he said, you just hold on, bud. I, when I'm ready to talk to you about the fifth year, you'll know it. You'll know I'm talking to you about the fifth year. And so when she said to me, there were five angels that ministered unto her. The Holy Ghost just came over me and said, those were the five. Those are the angels of every year that I appointed unto you. And I'm showing your oldest saint in the church that God is able to take the ministering angels and bring them right down to your your eldest saint. I say that because I believe she's, in terms of birthdays, she's she's uh, our eldest saint. Or at least she's right up there. She's not the eldest. She's right up there. And I got home. I'm quite sure I told Sister French this. I began to pray, and I said, "Thank you, Jesus." You've now talked to our our elder. Now she saw it, of course, uh, in in in, enti- in, her, in the way God intended for her to see it. That the angels were ministering to her, and and there they were, and they were speaking. And I'm not going to go into the personal things that the, they said to her. And and uh, how many knows that God can talk to us if He wants to? Church, we need to get past all the deadness. We need to let the power of God get a hold of us. Praise God. Come on, let's lift our hands and let's give him a little bit of praise. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Now that became its own illustration. I didn't mean for that to be. And so some of you are thinking, oh, this is going to be lengthy tonight. And I'm not going to weigh in on that. I don't think it will be. I really don't. But uh, I, I only said that to preface that when God gets ready to talk to us, And to do something, he is able to do it. I don't believe that God brought us here, Sister French, not for one minute to enter our fifth year and to just say, well, let's just sail along. Sail on. Do we still sing that? Sail on. 
Did we ever sing that? It has words, of course, but I don't know them. It is so easy for us if we are too quick to hear the, the enemy's discouragement. And the enemy will disguise himself. He will disguise himself in discouragement. He will take a circumstance like maybe you're some, I don't want to say one because I, I'm not thinking of one, but he will use something that brings discouragement and in the discouragement. See, God meant it for good. How many knows I'm preaching the truth tonight? God will mean it for good, but the devil tries to get us to see only the discouragement in the circumstance. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. One more time. Can we just love him? Can we just give him a little bit of praise? Father, you're talking to us tonight. You're in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, praise God, praise God. I believe God has ordained that apostolic tabernacle is going to be a church of revival. That we are not going to settle for people going to hell. We're not going to settle for people never hearing the gospel. We're not going to settle for compromise. If you want a compromising preacher, you will have to get a different preacher because I am not compromising the word of God. God's word is true. Someone said, oh, Brother French, the last time you taught that series on holiness, so-and-so just got really upset because I taught on uh, something. I won't say it didn't matter what it was. And they thought I was going to be startled. That they got upset. I said, well, I don't know why. They're walking into a church that has preached that for 40 years. And they don't want to hear that in the very church that's been preaching that for 40 years. They were, I said, I wasn't uh, upset because they were disobeying it. I didn't forbid them to come and be in the, in the lesson and learn. You know, you ever meet somebody, walks up and starts talking to you about uh, maybe speaking in tongues or something, and, and oh, I don't believe that. One guy was determined he was going to convince me that speaking in tongues was of the devil. I said, I don't think you're going to win that. You're not going to convince me that speaking in tongues is of the devil. No, sir. I said, in fact, you better be very, very careful because we're, if you keep on and I keep feeling what I'm feeling, you're going to start hearing some speaking in other tongues right here in, the, in, this, in this conversation because, you see, the devil would love to intimidate, but God is greater than any force that we face. Praise God. So faith, faith and hope are twins. Now I want to. I'm holding off until I, I don't want to use this illustration unless I get a complete okay. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, the other day I flew to Canada and we sat out there and they said, "Well, we were supposed to take off, but the so and so and so and so." We sat there and I didn't say take off anyway. I said, "Oh, good. If they think we ought to sit here a few minutes, and we need to sit here a few minutes." And so that's how I feel in the Holy Ghost here. I don't want to just take off. But the Spirit of the Lord is, I believe, showing apostolic tabernacle that we can be whatever God has called us to be. We can have the revival that he intends for us to have so that we can see that faith, everyone say faith. Of course, faith and hope. Everyone say faith and hope. And I'm preaching tonight about hope, of course. There is hope for revival, the belief that, we, that what we desire is attainable. Satan says no, but we refuse to listen to him. Faith and hope are twins. Faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for. Does anybody remember that from Hebrews 11? For faith is, or now I think the King James says, now faith is, is the substance 
which is very interesting. I don't know how anybody uh, understands, except the fact that we read it over and over and people finally understand. But the word substance would be, would be uh, way down the road in terms of translating that. The King James translators were, they were some of the finest Greek minds in the world. And so when they took the word there, Faith is the substance. That, that's the last word I would have thought to use there. Faith is the substance. Now, I don't mean it's wrong. I just mean I wouldn't have thought of that first. And you won't find a translation. I don't think you I don't know of one. Uh, I, I was, for example, uh, I'm, I love to read the ESV, and the ESV uses the word assurance. Faith is the assurance of the thing that is hoped for. Praise God. Anybody have faith here tonight that God is going to do something in our midst? That God is going to do something in your family? That God is going to work everything out? You know, folks, sometimes you need to quit fretting and you need to just get on your knees and you need to say, God, have your way. I don't understand it, but have your way. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just have to say, Lord, that's what you said. I'm going to accept it by faith. It's the assurance. Faith is, they're twins. Faith. How many see what I'm talking about? Faith is the substance of the thing that is hoped for. Oh, my goodness. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You say, Brother French, please read more. No, no, I'm not going to read more. You're not even getting what I'm saying about that. Faith is the substance. Now, it, the word there would clearly means either an assurance or a confidence. That's what the, uh, the Greek means. It is the, I, I would probably, uh, well, they may call me and say, Brother French, will you translate the Bible? And I'll say, oh. Oh, sure. When do you want it? And then I'll send it in and I'll say, faith is the confidence. That's what I would translate it because that's what the word most typically means in the Greek. It is the confidence. Now, the word assurance, ESV uses it. I've often thought, hey, that was smart. That was clever to translate it that way. Very few people I know would think of substance and automatically get what that word really means. But faith is the twin of hope. We are trusting God. Somebody's listening to me. I've been a little, I've been a little contrary. I'm trying to stir your spirit tonight. But I'm telling you tonight, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We are hoping and trusting and God is able. And hope is the attitude which attains that which is desired. Our hope says we're going to have revival. We are going to have revival. Praise God. Now, I don't know if this is true. Brother French, if you've heard this and you know it's not true, don't say anything. Don't, don't uh, show any evidence of it. You know what I mean? Like if you've read this and you know it's not true. Because I don't know for sure. There's some of this story that I do believe is true. I believe it to be true because I've read it in so many places. That doesn't make it true. There are aspects of this story that seem to me uh, unlikely. Just seems unlikely. But it's told as a true story. Um, now, faith is the the confidence or the uh, faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the substance that which our, our hopes are rooted in. Think of it. Our hope is in another life. How many are planning to make heaven? How many know that's our, that's our hope tonight? See, folks, our hope is not in, oh, we'll build a church over on Terra and uh, we'll get a 1,000 people to come. That's not our hope. Now, that'd be great. That'd be wonderful. But how many knows when you reach a 1,000, that's not the end of our hope. Our hope is in another place. Our hope is in that which is coming. We have a blessed hope, praise God. Hallelujah. Anybody getting ready for the rapture? We've got a blessed hope that we're waiting for. 
So if I die, I'll live again. If I live, then I'll see the coming of Jesus and he's going to wrong every right. Every problem that you're facing, God's going to take care of it. No tears, no more heartache, no sickness, no pain. In other words, our hope is in God's plan. Folks, listen, we need to at the very least come to the house of God with the sense that we ought to let the Lord have his way. Not sit like a bump on a pickle. And not sit like it makes no difference to me. We ought to come saying, Lord, if I need to weep before you, I want to weep before God. Whatever you are calling me to do, I am interested in the plan of God. I want to be a part of it. Okay, so so here we go. I can't say I know it's true. But uh, you've heard perhaps the story. And I'm assuming you have because it's so often told of the failing businessman who looked so forlorn in his desperation, wandering in the local park, of course, it was New York, that uh, a man approached him, came up to him and said this, you look like, sir, you need a hand. You need some help. Disarmed this fairly successful businessman who was now on the brink of losing everything. He was on the verge of bankruptcy. Oh, he said, yes, yes, sir. You've seen it on my face. I am almost bankrupt. Everything I've ever worked for Everything that I've poured my life into and my wife and my family, my company that I've worked so hard to build, all of it is about to go down the drain, he said. So, to his amazement, the old gentleman pulled out a checkbook and said to him, You look like someone who can do it. You, he said, take this and meet me back here in one year. And he handed him the check. And later, he's startled when he looked at it. He didn't think he started to holler back. Um, Of course, the gentleman said before he walked away, uh, I'm always here. I'm always walking through the park, and uh, this is where I take my stroll. You can meet me anytime. One year, I guarantee you, you'll you'll find me right here. And so he didn't know what the man meant. He looked down at the check. And the gentleman had said, you tell me how you did Because I believe that you can do it. Now, I don't know if this is genuine. That part might be. But the stories reported that he took the check and not thinking to ask his name, he looked at it. And it was a check for $500,000. And it was signed. John D. Rockefeller. Now, I don't know if that's true. It's told it's true. I've read it for many, many years. But I thought tonight as I remembered this event, this event, um, I don't know if you know what he did. Uh, it only take me a second to complete the story. But he said, uh, my goodness, John D. Rockefeller. Uh, it's so built up his confidence that when he got back and he showed it to his friends and he showed it to everybody at the company and he showed it to his wife, he was going to, he said, oh man, I'm going to be able to take this and save my company. That's what I'm going to be able to do. And so the next morning he got up and he he got the bright idea. I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put this check 
in the vault. And when I need it, then I'm going to reach in there and I'm going to pull that out. And then so I know I won't lose my, but I'm just going to go for it. Because he said, you look like a man that can do it. So he never touched the check. He never deposited it. But the confidence that it produced saved his company. It was unbelievable that this company became a very, very well-known American company. So a year later, he could hardly wait to shake hands with the man who had inspired all of that. And he said, had saved his company. And as he approached him, he could see him. He walked up to him. Suddenly, as he was about to reach out and he had just grabbed the man's hand, a nurse who was obviously in nurse's attire stepped over and she rushed over and she said, Oh, sir, I'm sorry. I hope he wasn't bothering you. I will take him back to the home. He's always thinking that he's John D. Rockefeller. But he's harmless, she said. He was absolutely startled. This this check was never. I, I saved my whole business because of the confidence that it inspired in me. You see, now that is an interesting story. I cannot vouch. I do not know. I've tried several times to see if there was a way to trace that back and see if was that an action, did that action, or is that someone's wishful thinking? But I want to say tonight that we know he, by his own testimony that because of a confidence that was built in someone believing in him and then his belief in the name John D. Rockefeller, I would suggest tonight that we know a name that is greater than any earthly name. We know a God that is not, the nurse doesn't have to step in. We are serving a God that is able to take our families and our loved ones and do in them. He's the confidence builder. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. (laughs) Faith is built and hope is built in us. They are twins as it were. I feel the Holy Ghost calling us tonight. The Holy Ghost is prodding us. Do you long to see lost souls saved? If we hope that hope is rooted in attainability, God is able to do what he said he would do. Does anybody believe that God can do exactly what he said he would do? Praise God. I tell you what, I, let's do, I don't care about getting, being uh, uh, nominated for the greatest sermon of the year. What I care about is that we have revival. I wonder if we could reach over to the pew in front of us and let's pray that God will fill the pew in front of me completely full, Lord, in the months ahead. Lord, I pray that it will be my hope. It will be my true confidence, oh God, that you are able to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I put something in the vault. I've got my faith in something that you gave me. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe the Lord is talking to us tonight. People are confused. And they're worried. And they need somewhere to turn. They need somebody to give them hope. They are not looking for PhD experts. They're looking for somebody that has a hope. Someone that can speak with clarity in a world that's in trouble and say, listen, my friend, I can lead you right over here. This is the real deal. This is the power of God. Don't you see? We have the hope that they're looking for. Do not let Satan rob us of our belief that there is an attainable answer for our city. God has given us an answer. Praise God. Come on. Let's lift a hand and let's give him a little bit of praise. God has given me a hope for this city. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I had almost made a, a vow that I, I've not spoken of it. I've not said a word to my family, to my wife, to my children, to a saint, a single person in this world. In fact, I've told the Lord that I will keep it close to my belt. I, I won't have to say anything, but I want to tell you that after my little chat with with our dear sister Pillow and the angels that she saw, I had a moment of, of revelation in the spirit where God said, now I've been wanting to talk to you about this fifth angel. The devil thinks that he is going to stop the church. And, the, and what the devil says is this, that the longer you go, it'll just sort of wind down a little bit more and the Holy Ghost revealed to me the fifth angel to my own spirit Lord showed me that he has sent angels from the very throne of God into the city of Jonesboro he is not leaving us he's not letting us wind down but God has sent the fifth angel he has sent the angel of heaven to be a part of what we're doing. And so when the devil said, and some of you are fearful because you're afraid they're going to think you're a lunatic or you're crazy. But God has sent his very angels in our midst. Come on, let's give him a little bit of praise for it. Father, right now we thank you. We praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. Oh, Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Do you realize how long Israel had been in bondage when Ezra wrote these words? <laughs> when Ezra led them into revival, Ezra was elderly. <laughs> he was way past retirement. He came out of retirement. To be a part of the greatest revival that there had ever been in all of Israel. Someone said, well, no, that first temple. Remember they wept when they saw the second? Yes, I remember that. And when Zerubbabel came and they saw it and they had, they, instead of shouting, they wept. And they said, oh, my goodness, this is nothing compared to the first temple. And then Nehemiah came along and he began to refortify the walls because they were able to, they were going to get back in and break the temple back down again. And so God sent Ezra along to reinforce Nehemiah. <laughs> you say, Brother French, why are you telling us that? Because I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. And I could preach a long time, but I don't have to. But I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight that God is sending reinforcements into Jonesboro. God has got folks in mind that he's going to set on these pews. And maybe some of them, I saw some folks this morning and in the Holy Ghost. Now you say, Brother French, you need to be careful saying that. I'm telling you the truth tonight. I can see in the face of sinners, God drawing them out of sin and filling them with the power of Almighty God and turning them into the greatest saints that we've ever known at Apostolic Tabernacle. God has got a plan. God has got a purpose. So Ezra brought, in spite of a generation where the temple had been, it for all practical purposes, destroyed. And then they had to come along and do their best under Zerubbabel. To, it took them 20 years. They, they rebuilt what we sometimes call the second temple. And Ezra stood there before the people. And everything that David had stood for in the Psalms, all of the great things 
See, folks, I don't know if you're aware of it. I'm going to do this quickly. But do you know that it was because of this period that the three Hebrew boys stepped into the fiery furnace? How many know that that's true? That was all a part of this period. And Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. I want to tell you why God is speaking to us. He is letting us know that in this time when the temple is mocked and a generation that's walked away from God, that God still has a people that the lions cannot destroy and that fire cannot burn. But God is in the midst of his temple. And the children of God are saying, like, like Shechaniah said, there is hope in Israel. Hallelujah. I saw the three Hebrew boys. There's hope in Israel. It's not just Moses. And it's not just yesterday. But there's revival tonight in the temple of Almighty God. Could we give him a little bit of praise tonight? Oh, hallelujah. There's hope tonight in this hour in which we live. If we will preach holiness... And love it with all of our hearts. I didn't say be perfect people that never make a mistake. I said if we will love holiness. And we will say Lord. I pray that the glory will come down. In fact I'm praying tonight. For some Shechaniahs in the house of God tonight. That will take it upon themselves. To say it's not this world. That we need. But it is God that we need we don't need to get more worldly we need to get more holy in the presence of God we need to have tears running down now I'm not suggesting you come tonight and weep your eyes out I'm telling you that I believe there's a Shechaniah spirit in this world just like there's another spirit in our world and there's all kinds of names for that but I believe there's a spirit of revival and that when we see Ezra get up it's like don't don't take me wrong I'm just trying to be illustrative here but here's Ezra Uh, uh, (coughs) I wish I were old if I were old I could illustrate this but I'm so young so I'm going to have to act it pretend I have gray hair and that I'm balding. And uh, at the top of my head, you see more head than hair. If you can just imagine that, it's going to be hard for you to do it. And so here comes Ezra. They had never felt the presence of the Lord. And he's all stooped over. And, and uh, he's, he's leading them. And he says, I have, I have found the word of God in the temple. And the people begin to say, oh, thank you for the word. Thank you for the word. Lord. They had not had a Bible that had not been translated in an entire number of generations. But Ezra said, I am going to now read to you from thy Hebrew Old Testament. And chapter 9 says, he began to read it. And it said, if you'll get on your face and cry out to me, I will restore to you everything that I ever gave to my people. And they begin to cry out to God. Shechaniah was the representative that walked up and said, I'm here representing. I have worldliness. My children are worldly. I have all of these things. But I am pledging to you, Ezra, that I want God more than I want any of these things. And I am committing myself. That's why we have a book of Ezra. Because God is able to restore the hope. Now I know you have hope. I hope I've been able to at least demonstrate that I'm talking about the hope that is stirred in your sons and in your daughters and in your grandsons and your granddaughters and our neighbors. Suddenly, they start saying, you know what? I need that old-fashioned I need to go back. I had a young man whisper in my ear just in the last little while when he'd come a time or two and he reached over to me. Uh, 
I don't think he wouldn't have any way of knowing who this is. And, and he said, I, Brother French, you don't know. But he said, you don't know it. But he said, I'm a backslider. Tears were running down his face. I, I had no idea that he'd ever been around a Pentecostal church. He said, Brother French, I'm a backslider. He said, I'm so far from God. But he said, after the service, and he told me the service, he said, I can't get away from it. The Spirit is drawing me back to this altar. And so he came back. And folks, I want to tell you something. God is sending the Spirit of the Shechaniah into our midst that is saying, I'm willing to give myself whatever it takes. God has given me hope that I can get back to where I was. He said, my, my family is doing this, and, and my mother's doing that, and they're completely hopeless. But he said, I suddenly feel feel that God is able to draw me back into the presence of God. That's what I'm talking about tonight. There is hope for revival when it gets into the hearts of those all around us. Let's stand together all across the building. I want us to come and pray together and the musicians can come. I want them to come, but I want us to come and pray for those tonight. Maybe you know someone that is uh, that needs the hope of revival hope of truth in their own lives and I wonder if you could just pray and uh, and let's let's lift them up before the Lord right now that's beautiful let's keep coming Lord I feel the presence of God and the hope of the spirit and the presence of the Lord tonight God you are able to bring us back right back to the very place where the lions cannot eat us and the fire can't touch us And the ropes are burned off of us, but there's no smell of smoke. Lord, you can bring us right back to that place. That's beautiful. Could you just lift your hands with me? Let's pray that God will send a spirit of hope into the lives of those about us. Lord, I have hope tonight. That's it. Lift that other hand up. Let's not be shy. Let's just praise him a little bit. Lord, I thank you right now because you are, you are able to draw. You're able to reveal the truth. Lord, you are revealing the truth right now to people we would never suspect. You are opening the windows of heaven. That's it. Come on, let's pray for them. Father, there's hope tonight. You're going to break every chain and you're going to bring the answer, Lord, into every life. And we thank you, Jesus. We praise you, praise you, Lord. Oh, yes. Break every chain. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Break every chain. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, 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 break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. That's it. Let's let's reach out and pray for somebody right now. Find somebody you can pray with right now. Let's let's pray for one another in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm trusting you tonight. Oh, Lord. 
sing it again with what voice I have let me let me say this as we pray and uh, you can pray as long as you like but um, I believe that the spirit of God is revealing to us in 2015 that this church is going to stand for holiness Regardless of what anybody else says or does, we are going to stand for holiness and we're going to love it with all of our hearts and we are going to have revival in the midst of holiness. And that's His divine will. I wonder if you could just lift your hearts and let's just thank God for that. They're going to sing it one more time, but I wonder if we could just thank God. Maybe you could make a commitment to the Lord. Father, I'm making... I'm making a commitment tonight. Oh, yeah. Just lift our hearts one more time. Let's tell the Lord we're welcoming the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we're hungry for it. That's our desire tonight, that you would have your way. Praise God. What key would we do? Have thine own way, Lord. Um, we know this old song. They're, they're going to try to, uh, they don't want me to sing it, but I'm going to anyway. No, I'm just kidding, but... Um, 
We're going to try to get a key. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Just mold me and make me after thy will. I am Let's bow our heads together, shall we? Lord, we're committing ourselves tonight to be the people that bring ourselves humbly before God, seeking after revival. We are seeking after revival. We're not expecting just anything. We want revival to come, and we want it to begin in our families We'd like it to begin with our sons and our daughters, but if it, it's our neighbor, then that's all right. If it's our co-worker, that's all right. But Lord, draw them in, Lord, and have your way at Apostolic Tabernacle and let your will be done. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You can stay and pray as long as you like. Sister French will sing it one more time.